Hi, I'm Ted, and today I'm joined by our aviation attorney, Edward Page, in the Tampa office, and our summer associate, Nancy Erickson. And today we'll be talking about unruly passengers on flights. This is a part of our series in aviation criminal and civil matters that we've called High Crimes and Misdemeanors. Hi, my name is Ed Page. I've been working here at Carlton Fields as a shareholder for about 22 years. I'm a former state, federal, and special prosecutor, and I focus about half of my practice in the aviation area, including federal criminal aviation matters. And I'm Nancy Erickson. I just finished my second year at Stetson University College of Law, and I'm here as a summer associate at Carlton Fields. All right, Ed, what have you noticed about the trends in unruly passenger behavior? They are, pardon the pun, skyrocketing. We're seeing them in the news. We're seeing them on television. We're seeing them on the nightly news. We're seeing them all over. And as a result, the FAA is getting serious about these. You can take a look at some of the prevalence of unruly passenger cases at FAA.gov. And as a result, the FAA has adopted a zero-tolerance policy. There can be some warnings and diversionary programs for unruly passengers, but now most of these folks who engage in unruly passenger incidents are either fined through the civil monetary penalty process or referred criminally to the Department of Justice and the FBI for criminal prosecution. So we're talking about both civil and criminal cases then? Exactly, and I think it's helpful to split up the two of these into two separate uh, components. Civil means that you are exposed to a civil monetary penalty, and in these unruly passenger cases, there are a lot. There are also criminal referrals to the Department of Justice and the FBI for criminal prosecution where the exposure not only is a fine, but also jail, probation, and also a civil monetary penalty. And these numbers that we have been seeing for unruly passenger cases have been tracked since 1995. Uh, most years there are a couple of hundred, and they didn't make the news really until COVID struck back in 2000, and we began seeing the spike. In 2021, for example, the spike manifested itself in over 1,000 unruly passenger cases, and in 2022, through the current date, in today is uh, June um, 13th, 2022, we have almost 500. That'll put us on pace for another 1,000 cases by the end of 2022. Although, it should be noted that the cases seem to be decreasing now that masks are no longer mandated. So Ed, how many of these investigations actually result in a civil fine? Well, in 2021, we had 6,000 reports. We had 1,000 investigations and we had 350 fines. In 2022, to date, which is in the middle of June, we've had 1,419 incident reports, 470 investigations, and 259 fines, which will bring the year-end totals uh, 
past the numbers we saw in 2021, likely. And what are these fines? How much are we talking? Well, the maximum fine under federal law is $37,000 per violation. And many of the unruly passenger cases have multiple violations in one episode. Is the entire fine paid as a lump sum? It can be paid as a lump sum, but a lot of people don't have the financial resources to do that. So the FAA has a payment plan where people pay on a monthly basis and the payment plan uh, focuses on the overall amount agreed upon with the FAA and oftentimes and most of the time in fact I think under these plans no interest is applied or paid under the plan provided no late payment is received. Under the FAA's payment policy though as I understand it a late payment can trigger interest uh, for the remainder of the uh, and including the entire civil monetary penalty that the unruly passenger agreed to to resolve the matter. And is there any negotiating over the amount? Everything in life is negotiable and so there is negotiations with the FAA about the amount of the penalty and the FAA takes into account particularly the person's financial resources. In other words, if the person is unemployed or the person has uh, low income, having trouble getting a job or keeping a job or during, it's during COVID or the aftermath of COVID, these are all possible factors that the FA may, may take into account in determining and uh, agreeing to a civil monetary penalty. Okay, so that was civil cases. How many cases have resulted in criminal charges? Approximately 80 cases have resulted in criminal charges. And it's important to note that these are federal uh, criminal charges. These are not cases that are brought in state court, county court, or other courts around the nation. These are all in our federal courts across the nation. And in these 80 cases, what we've seen is that a crew member makes an initial report, the FAA conducts an investigation, and that leads to the FAA counsel's office starting a civil monetary penalty enforcement matter, which results in a penalty. In addition, for these 80 cases, we've also seen referrals to the Federal Bureau of Investigation within the Department of Justice as we said before, for criminal prosecution. And so it's important uh, to keep this in mind because it changes the landscape drastically from where in a civil case people are concerned about fines and being on a possible no-fly list, which has been bandied about recently, to the more severe sanction of a possible federal criminal prosecution and going to jail, being on probation, and the court imposing a fine. So Ed, you had asked me to look into the statute um, that these criminal cases fall under, and most of them are prosecuted under Title 49 of the United States Code, um, Section 46504, which makes it illegal to assault or intimidate a flight crew member or a flight attendant 
or to interfere with a crew member or flight attendant's ability to perform their duties. Um, and so oftentimes when we're reading through the complaints or the indictments, we saw the emphasis um, where they would explain how the unruly behavior caused the crew member or the flight attendant um, to be interrupted in conducting their duties on the airplane. And under um, Section 46504, there is a maximum of 20 years in federal prison under this, um, this statute. And one thing we haven't talked about here, but we can mention it, is that the, when you're in federal criminal court, the federal sentencing guidelines control. And so the federal sentencing guidelines dictate the sentence that a district court judge must impose. And so it's not up to an agreement between the prosecutor and the unruly passenger and the unruly passenger's lawyer to say how the case should be resolved. We look to the federal sentencing guidelines which mandates a sentence in these cases. So the takeaway here is that these are felony charges and some people, some unruly passengers who are prosecuted criminally are eligible for pretrial diversion, which is a diversionary program established by the United States Attorney Manual uh, to resolve some of these cases. But many or the majority of unruly passenger cases are resolved once indicted or charged by pleas to felonies. And these are the felonies that Nancy Erickson uh, mentioned in Title 49, Section 46504. And many of these cases, as you might imagine from reading in the newspaper and looking at FAA.gov, also involve substance abuse uh, and some mental health issues and the like. So what type of behavior actually results in criminal charges? The most common type of behavior that we've seen uh, that Nancy Erickson located in the research and that I've reviewed by following these cases is an assault or striking or pushing a flight attendant. And some of the big categories are as follows. In the three that we've identified, we call them extreme cases, there was danger to the aircraft or severe injury by a crew member or flight attendant. In the more typical cases, we saw danger that arose as a result of the unruly passenger incident uh, where it was isolated, the danger was isolated to nearby passengers and crew. And then finally, in our third category, we found that many of these unruly passenger cases were pandemic related and they were fueled by uh, disputes about masks or vaccines between one passenger and a crew member or flight attendant or between one passenger and another passenger where the dispute arose because someone had a mask and another person didn't or they were, weren't wearing it all the time and the like. Well, I'm surprised there wasn't an abundance of pandemic-related cases. Well, masking seems to have been the majority of all these civil cases early on. And as we all know, frustration with masks and people not wearing masks and not being treated similarly aboard an airplane 
uh, can snowball. And so the snowball effect was evident in a lot of these unruly passenger cases. Uh, and we saw that borne out in the civil monetary penalty cases that the FAA tracked and put on their website, FAA.gov, and in the ones that we saw prosecuted as criminal cases because the cases started out with just disputes in the cabin or in the, uh, near the restrooms and the like, but they escalated quickly and snowballed into criminal cases that were referred to the Department of Justice and actually prosecuted. So do you have an example of an extreme case? We do, and Nancy Erickson should explain this because she found this case, United States versus Dominguez, which is in the Central District of California and is a 2021 case. Nancy? In this case, the defendant, Dominguez, um, sought access to the cockpit during while the plane was actually taxiing and getting ready to take off. And uh, this person, as the plane was taxiing, decided that he was on the wrong flight and he wanted to get off the plane. So he ran forward to the cockpit, started banging on the door. The pilots um, didn't know what was happening. Um, there was a, a little bit of a scuffle with the flight attendant as you know they tried to get the defendant to sit back down. And eventually the defendant opened the exit door and the inflatable slide partially deployed. And that led the pilots to declare a level four threat um, because they were concerned that if the slide deployed all the way, that it could get sucked into one of the engines and cause a lot of damage to the aircraft and danger to all the people on board. Um, it took four days to repair the aircraft, which you know had to taxi back to the gate um, and disrupt everyone's travel. And because this created such a danger um, to everyone on board, this person eventually ended up getting sentenced to 18 months in the Bureau of Prisons, as well as um, he received a $20,000 restitution payment that he has to pay. Um, so that's one example. Recently, one case that's been in the news um, a lot in you know mid-June in 2022 is the Southwest Airlines case where the defendant punched a flight attendant. And that's been in the news lately because it was just sentenced. Um, that happened in May of 2021. It was United States versus Quinones, um, a Southwest Airlines case that was just sentenced. And that occurred um, while the airplane was in flight as they were preparing to land. And this is one of those cases that you were discussing, Ed, where it kind of started with a mask dispute. The flight attendant asked the passenger to you know, raise her mask up over her face um, and get ready to land. And the altercation ended with the defendant punching the flight attendant in the head. Um, and it caused severe injuries. She had to be hospitalized. She broke several teeth, and there was a lot of bruising on her face. She had to get stitches. Um, but it started over masking. And I think, you know, the sentencing for this just happened. The judge gave the defendant 15 months in the Bureau of Prisons, um, as well as ordered her to pay $26,000 in restitution and a $7,000 fine. And that, it's worth noting that that amount of prison time is actually more than was requested by the prosecutor in this case. So if these are examples of extreme cases, what's more of a typical case? Well, one case that we saw that um, happened recently um, is there was a dispute that started over the passenger being asked to wear his seatbelt and put his tray table up um, 
for takeoff. And um, this is, like Ed was mentioning, a lot of these cases involve some type of substance abuse. Um, and this case involved alcohol. The passenger asked to be served um, an alcoholic beverage, and the flight attendant refused. Um, and he threw a glass at the flight attendant. He used a slur um, to refer to the flight attendant. And the flight attendant went to call the pilots using like a telephone that they have to communicate with the cockpit. And the passenger, you know, grabbed the telephone and um, shoved it into the flight attendant's chest. And so that's an example of kind of a typical case where that, I'm sure, was extremely distressing. Not, I mean, particularly for the flight attendant, but also for everybody who was immediately situated in that area. And it did impact the whole flight in that it prevented the flight attendant from doing their job. But it didn't create that extreme level of danger that we saw in the Dominguez case with the slide that almost got sucked into the engine. And the flight attendant, I'm sure, was very distressed and probably had some minor injuries. But there wasn't you know, the severe level of injury that we saw with the Southwest case that was just sentenced. Um, and so you know, the complaint focused on the disruption of the flight attendant's ability to do their job and the pilot's ability to do their job. Um, but there wasn't just quite that big impact that we saw with the more extreme cases. So what kind of penalty might occur in a case like that? Well, that case hasn't been sentenced yet. But typically, unless, as Nancy has described it, it's an ex one of these extreme cases uh, the person, the unruly passenger, is going to likely score out under the sentencing guidelines uh, to probation. They'll be ordered to pay restitution. They might have various restrictions or conditions of probation imposed. And in federal court, everybody's, everyone who's prosecuted is formally convicted. So each unruly passenger will have a felony conviction. And finally, it's important to note that in many of these cases where complaints are filed and the person is taken into custody as a result of the unruly passenger incident, that the government requests and obtains what's called pretrial detention. That means your first trip to a gated community is permanent while your case is resolved in federal court. So when you hear the words pretrial detention, it means you are detained in jail pending the resolution of the case. You're not allowed on bond. Ed, what are some of the big differences that you see between defendants who are receiving terms of incarceration and those who are getting um, probationary sentences? I see a natural divide between masking cases and inappropriate behavior, unruly behavior and the like, and when, on the other hand, the passenger, the unruly passenger, gets more aggressive and more dangerous to the flight operation as a result or through punching a flight attendant, trying to get into the cockpit, and causing other serious risk uh, to the f operation of the aircraft by the crew or the flight attendant. That's how I think I would summarize that. 
And I think what you pointed out, Nancy, in describing the Quinones case is that the judge who gave a more rigorous sentence than the prosecutor uh, asked for uh, is looking at these and trying to figure out what's the appropriate response to this situation, these level four risks that passengers create in the air and on the ground to other passengers. And in that judge's view, it was a, it was a longer sentence than even the prosecutor had requested. You mentioned at the beginning of our talk how this issue has really been in the public eye lately. Um, and then you just mentioned the judge giving an, a longer sentence than was requested. Do you think we're going to start to see a trend of more severe sentences for these cases in the future? I think you will because naturally what happens is uh, a judge who sees unruly passenger cases either for the first time is alarmed and tr trying to figure out what the correct sentence is under the federal sentencing guidelines. I have to suspect that many unruly passengers have no prior record, but yet the judge is trying to figure out how do I impose and do justice in this case by not only deterring others, but by sanctioning the unruly passenger and, and the behavior that they demonstrated. So it's a very difficult situation for the judge because he is in effect, or she is in effect, trying to protect the safety of air travel. And so it's a larger picture that the federal judge has in mind, but at the same time trying to fashion justice for the individual defendant. And so you're going to see more severe sentences for more severe cases. Even though the judge has discretion under the sentencing guidelines to impose a probationary sentence or home confinement, you're going to see where an unruly passenger strikes somebody, kicks, spits, uh, or does other interesting things, you're going to see prison sentences. And more importantly, you're going to see more and more of these cases handled by the Department of Justice and the FBI because the FAA is referring all these cases, these severe unruly passenger cases that involve striking and other uh, behavior to the, fed, the feds uh, for prosecution. So, Ed, we've covered a lot in talking about uh, criminal and civil cases. What are some of the key takeaways you can give us? Well, I think there are several takeaways. Uh, first, we've got to look at the timing of this. You know, lawyers love this phrase that correlation is not causation. And that's true, but gosh, look at what, what's happened since COVID. COVID struck when? In February or March of 2020. We saw none of this for a while. Then we had masks imposed. Then we have the debris, as I might call it, from COVID, and people starting to get emotionally distraught about this. And the newspapers and magazines and even professional journals, psychology and psychiatric journals, are now full of descriptions of people who are acting out as a result of in, in the aftermath of COVID. And it's my opinion that you're seeing this as are in unruly passenger cases. Uh, people are simply, some people are simply broken as a result of this. And 
you're seeing more of it in road rage incidents and you're seeing it um, in other situations that the country is confronting nowadays. And that is that the straw that broke the camel's back is just right there in many of these cases. And so the uh, psychology and psychiatric issues involved in these are important to identify. The other takeaways are that in many, many of these situations, alcohol is involved and uh, contributes to the unruly passenger situation getting quickly out of hand. Another takeaway is that there are many implications for the flight crew. The one case that uh, Nancy described, uh, United States versus Dominguez, where the crew quickly had to deal with uh, banging on the cockpit door and then the person opening the exit during taxi operation on the way to takeoff and the slide nearly getting ingested into the engine. These are all serious matters. This isn't just a uh, casual drink being tossed on the floor or in some other passenger's or flight attendant's lap. These are really serious things that could affect uh, the safety of the aircraft operation. And also we have implications for passengers because as you read many of these unruly passenger matters you see that other passengers are getting involved in them in the disputes with the unruly passenger. They're trying to subdue the passenger, trying to hold them down until they land and law enforcement can board the plane and subdue the passenger and take them into custody. And then finally, this is giving rise to the unruly passenger lawyer. So when unruly passengers are scrutinized for their conduct, lawyers get involved, including myself. I'd recently concluded an unruly passenger case and uh, learned many of the uh, things that we've talked about today. Okay, Ed, so what can you tell our listeners and your clients and any attorneys perhaps what, where can they go or what can they do if they have more questions or, more, or want more information on unruly passenger cases? I think it's important that they reach out to someone who has uh, done one or more of these unruly passenger cases so that they can have the benefit of learning from that person and some mentorship if they're going to accept that case. What I've noticed in practicing aviation law now for 22 years here at Carlton Fields is that the uninitiated to aviation thinks that this is some magical land uh, where all the rules and regulations are different. And you know what? For In large part, they are. But if you have, uh, as I like to say, a flight instructor kind of mo mindset, and I am an FAA certificated flight instructor. I pride myself in trying to explain uh, by using analogies and other tools to non-lawyers and clients what really is bothering the FAA here. And um, I think that's a good way to approach you know, the unruly passenger uh, cases for the uninitiated both uh, lawyers and witnesses and clients. Okay, and how can our followers reach you? 
They can call me, uh, Ed Page at Carlton Fields at 813-229-4308 or my email, epage, like page in a book, at carltonfields.com. I'm also on LinkedIn and I'd be happy to chat with them about their unruly passenger case or other FAA problem. And with that being said, you can also visit our website and our aviation industry page, as well as our white collar and criminal investigations practice page at carltonfields.com. Ed, do you have any other content or topic of conversations that you plan on future podcast episodes? We do. I want to give uh, great credit to Nancy Erickson for helping us put together this podcast and for the work she is already doing and uh, going to do in the future on our next podcast on high crimes and misdemeanors, where we will focus on the federal criminal prosecution of drone pilots, those people with and without a FAA-certificated drone license. Okay, well, thank you, Ed, and thank you, Nancy, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is intended for general information and educational purposes only and should not be relied on as if it were advice about a particular fact situation. The distribution of this podcast is not intended to create and receipt of it does not constitute an attorney-client relationship with Carlton Fields.